So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it off with something funny. Um, the church found the perfect pastor. And so here's the description of the perfect pastor. Risk taker, business CEO, determined, delegator, knowledge seeker, creative thinker, promoter, independent, relationship builder, counselor, negotiator, detail-oriented, visionary. He only preaches exactly 27 minutes. He condemns sin but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. until midnight and is also the church janitor. The perfect pastor makes $500 a week, lives in a beautiful house, wears nice clothes, drives a nice car, has an extensive library, and pays for everyone's meal and donates $400 a week to the church. He's 29 years old and has 40 years experience. He never forgets a name and spends most of his time praying to God. Above all, he is handsome. Now, I just pulled this from the internet, so you can go out there and probably find the same thing. I'm just reading it. I didn't make it up. He also knows when somebody is sick and needs visitation, even without anyone telling him about it. He loves to spend time with his family and has no problem with you dropping by unexpectedly. <laughs> he also spends most of his time in preparation to deliver the Sunday message. He remembers everyone's birthday and, of course, their anniversary dates as well. Before and after the services, he never fails to speak to each person present and will also take the time to listen to you for 15 minutes and pray for each person no less than 10 minutes after listening to them. The perfect pastor always smiles and tells you what you want to hear. He also goes out to eat after church with every family in the church and pays for their meals. <laughs> the perfect pastor eats nutritiously, gets his rest so that he is never stressed, exercises daily, and is always there to listen to you night or day. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with children, teenagers, and he spends most of his time with the senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his church. He makes 15 home visits a day and is always in his office to be handy when needed. <laughs> I'm tired already. <laughs> he, he always has free time for hobbies while at the same time making church, sure, sure to attend all the church events team meetings, breakfasts, and lunches to connect with members. He never misses a meeting at the church, but is always busy evangelizing the unchurched. He meets with all the other pastors in town because they all have so much time on their hands. He also stays focused on the vision of the church while involved with the needs of the community. The perfect pastor takes family vacations and attends all the latest church and ministers conferences and listens to your favorite TV preachers and is completely up to date on each prominent TV preacher's message. He spends all day each Saturday preparing the Sunday sermon while focusing on his family too. He also doesn't overburden the church finances so he holds down a full-time secular job and has side jobs as well. And the last one but not least the perfect pastor is always in the next church over there. <laughs> so that's 
something funny to warm up, warm up with, and the list goes on. So there is a lot of misunderstanding. There is a lot of um, celebrity pastors these days, and those that are, you know, communicators of truth, but the gift of pastor, it's, it's either in you or it's not. And after 34 years, um, if it wasn't in us, we wouldn't be here. So why am I talking about myself? 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Paul talked about himself. Seems like a self-serving message. In fact, I have never, ever in the 34 years of ministry given a message like this. I wanted to not do this. I begged God not to make me do this. So I will tell you that I was in good company when the Lord pointed this verse out. 1 Corinthians 15.10, the New International Version says, but, I am, or, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. So what Paul is saying is, I am all that I am and what I am with, with, by and with the grace of God. And his grace had an effect on me. It was working in me. And then he says, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul had an understanding of how to connect to the grace of God. And it wasn't Paul that was doing what he was doing, but the grace of God in Paul that allowed him to do what God had called them to do. And I think that is key to recognizing uh, what all of us are called to do for the Lord. It's not us. It's not our personality. It's not our intellect. God works with all of that, but it's his grace. And we have to learn how to yield, like we were talking about earlier, yielding to his grace, giving place to the grace that is on us. We have to recognize what that grace is and then learn how to give place to it. So we don't frustrate that grace, right? Second Corinthians chapter three, verses one through six. This is the Passion Translation. Paul talking about himself. Because I asked the Lord, give me scripture, because if I don't have scripture, I'm not gonna come up here and say anything. And the Lord always gives me more scripture than what I need. So I'm like, okay, okay, here it is. Second Corinthians three, verse one. Paul says, are we beginning to sound like those who speak highly of themselves? Do you really need letters of recommendation to validate our ministry like others do? Do we really need your letter of endorsement? Of course not. For your very lives are our letters of recommendation, permanently engraved on our hearts, recognized and read by everybody. As a result of our ministry, you are living letters written by Christ, not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not carved onto stone tablets, but on the tablets of tender hearts. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. For our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. 
He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. So Paul is not bragging on himself. He's stating the facts, but he's bragging on the fact that God's grace is on him. And he's learned how to work with God's grace and give God glory when he must give God glory. Right? Paul was the one that was bitten by the snake and he shook it off and he didn't die and they wanted to bow down and make him a god and he said no no get up what are you doing i'm a man like you are right but paul understood who he was he understood that god called him and he understood that what he was responsible for and this is the position that i'm coming to you today it's it's from a humble place knowing what God has called us to do and what God has not called us to do. So, we're pastors of a local church that is focused on making a local impact. We're not the TED Talk pastor that reads off the teleprompter that wants thousands and millions of likes by... 12 o'clock today. Somebody puts out a, a sermon, 30-minute sermon, and within an hour, there's a million people that have liked it. I'm not looking to get likes. I'm not looking to be uh, disliked either. I just want to say what God wants me to say and do what God wants me to do. And so I have to agree with what God says about me and that's why we're going to look at what a pastor is because many people quite frankly in a local church don't understand who the pastor is or what a pastor does and there's some confusion there's some ignorance and when I asked the Lord Lord do, do you think that this is really a self-serving um, message he said no are you serving me I said yes sir he said are you serving my body I said, yes, sir. He said, well, this, this will serve the body. So I'm doing it out of obedience and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The first point that I want to make is that Jesus gave this gift called pastor. He gave this gift called pastor. Ephesians chapter 4. If you, you have to... Wherever a gift comes from, you have to look at, at who gave it, right? Where is the origin? To find out about something, you always need to go back to the origin. The origin. Here's the origin of the gift of pastor. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. The New Living Translation says this. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights or when Jesus ascended to heaven he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people Jesus gave gifts to his people and then skip down to verse 11 and it begins to talk about the gifts that Jesus gave to his people verse 11 says now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church everybody say Jesus gave, Jesus gave. gifts to the church he gave gifts to the church. And if you're part of the church, 
these are the gifts that he gave to you. I'm only going to talk about pastor because that's all that the Lord wanted me to talk about today. I'm not sure where we're going after this, but I do know this first step. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Now, we know that in a list, in our minds, because God gave us logic, we always want to prioritize the list by who came first and who came last. That's why the apostles were saying, hey, Jesus, you know, can I sit on your right side? Can I sit on you? And Jesus said, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. Those who want to be first will be last, and those who will be last will be first. God doesn't establish priority like we establish priority. So we don't read this list and say, hey, the apostle is the chief. And everybody else, this is, this is not an, a business organization where the apostle hires and fires pastors. I know that there are some denominations that run like that. That they create this business model. And everybody wants to know the organizational chart. Right? So here's the organizational chart of Lifeway Church. Pastor Sheila and I are the shepherd of this church. Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. There's no apostle that has hired us. We're not hirelings. So we report to Jesus. And I've said this before, it kind of ruffles feathers, but I'll say it again. You didn't hire me, so you can't fire me. That's just the facts. I'm, we refuse to be beholden to anyone. The only person that I'm going to stand before in judgment that's judging whether I do what he tells me to do or not, and that, that's Jesus. So you need to know that about your pastors, that we, we're not persuaded or we've been around the block and then some. It, it's... Jesus is our boss. Here's the gifts, their responsibility. Here's the responsibility of the gifts is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. To equip God's people to do his work and to build up the body, build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's a big responsibility. As a gift to the body to help the body grow, to, to build up the church, to engage people to grow in Christ so that we can do the work of the ministry, right? That's why we say we see people saved, healed, 
set free, empowered, discipled, equipped, and serving in ministry. When we begin to give out what God has given us, we complete that circle of efficiency or fruitfulness. Let's call it fruitfulness. When you begin to bear fruit, man, it's so satisfying. When people, people say, you know, when you lead somebody to Christ and you pray with them and they, they experience what it means to be born again, man, that's, there's, like, there's nothing else like that. This completion, what God has given you, He wants you to give to others. There's a circle. And it's our job as gifts to the body to build you up to equip you, to encourage you to do the work of the ministry. Right? God has given us so much that we haven't even tapped yet that He wants us to use for His kingdom. And part of our responsibility is so that we establish you so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine so that you're not tricked by lies Right? There are people that want to deceive Christians, especially new Christians. That Man, they're like, all of this sounds so good. It's like a little baby bird. We have baby birds on the back, uh, back porch. And they just eat whatever mom and dad puts in. I mean, if another bird flew up with something that was bad, they would just, you know, their eyes are not open, their mouth is open. And they just want everything so that they can continue to live, Right? So it's our responsibility to make sure that we're feeding you the basic foundation of the Word. Because when you understand His Word at a basic level, you see it all the time. People, they'll become born again and immediately they'll go back to Revelation. I want to find out who the Antichrist is. <laughs> like, when is all this stuff going to end? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's just fall in love with Jesus. Let's just worship Him. Let's just... Find out how to commune with Him. Have fellowship with Him. You don't have to know the whole Bible by next Friday. Right? So it's our responsibility. And um, what I can say about these gifts here in Ephesians chapter 4 is not every gift that is listed here, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is a part of every local church. There have been churches, if you haven't been familiar, but there have been certain churches that believe that within every local church there is an apostle, there is a prophet, there is an evangelist, there is a pastor, and there is a teacher. And that ch local church cannot be complete until you have a, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. No. There's a difference here. Jesus is talking about the big C church. The universal church, right? He gave gifts to the whole church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. In a local church, primarily the one who leads and feeds is the pastor. And so there, we have to differentiate and distinguish between the universal church and the local church. We're, I think we're really in a phase of grassroots right now. And it's, it's kind of hard to change gears because we're so tuned in to 
what other men and women are speaking to the body of Christ. Man, did you see that person and what they said? And you have to understand that we're called and positioned here to speak to the local church. It's not every church that has a pastor that has a national reach or a national message to the church at large in the United States, right? So you, you need to understand that. Jesus is only holding me responsible for you guys. He's not holding me responsible for California. Even though, you know, we may have people online right now that are watching in California. This is why I have a really hard problem with electronic church. Because if I can't pass, if, if we can't connect, how can I pastor you? Have you guys heard of the e-church? You know, you just subscribe and send your tithe and I'll be your pastor. Do you really know your pastor? I believe Jesus wants his body to be effective. We should know one another. The Bible says, know those who labor among you. How can you know someone unless you spend time with them? You can't call T.D. Jakes your pastor if you don't spend time with T.D. Jakes. And I'm not saying, you know, and I know I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I've gone to this big church and my pastor didn't even know I existed. He, he didn't know my name. He, he, he didn't shake my hand. He didn't invite me over for chicken dinner at his house. This is where we have to, we, we have to understand and, and have some balance and a little bit of understanding about what the, the gift of the pastor is. Your pastor can't hardly be the friend to everybody in the church, even though we are very friendly. <laughs> and we would love to go to your house for chicken dinner. Um, we see a lot, uh, we see a lot right now going on where pastors and ministers are just a talking head on a YouTube channel and they're, you know, reading off a teleprompter. Um, but delivering a message and projecting this message and communicating this message even though it's founded on the Bible and foundational and scriptural and everything else, that is not the majority of work that a pastor does. It's loving people, touching people. That's why I go to the back door. I want to see you. I want to give you a high five, fist bump or elbow bump, whatever you prefer, right? It's connecting with people. It's loving people. It's growing with people. It's knowing what you're dealing with and helping you through it. Sometimes we say, we're, we're not here to see through you. We're here to see you through. So let's look at just a, a few qualifications. What does God expect of pastors? First Timothy Chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3. 
verse 1 through 7. 1 Timothy 3. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever inspires to be an overseer or a pastor desires a noble task. And then you have to qualify this scripture here in context because it's good to desire to be a pastor, but you have to be called by God to fulfill the role of a pastor. It's, it's, it's not just an occupation that you pick. It's not a profession that you, you learn how to do. It is something that you're called to do. But you have to want to do it. And there's been times where we said, uh, we don't want to do this. You know, but that's looking at it from the flesh rather than knowing that it's a noble task because Paul is pointing to Timothy. He's pointing that it's a noble task to be a leader in the body of Christ. Verse 2 says, Now the overseer, our pastor, is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. He must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not, not be a recent convert or he may be, become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. There's a couple of more scriptures. First Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 4. First Peter 5, 1 through 4. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In that same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. These speak specifically about the qualifications of a pastor. Why do you need to know that? Because you need to know who we are and where we're coming from. Why? Because we're a gift to the body and you're part of the body. We have to first determine that Jesus gave a gift to the body. Jesus gave this gift of pastor to a body. I believe this year, especially, the local church is becoming more and more important. More and more important. As people are pushed and squeezed by the pressures of this world, you've got to have a place where you can run, you can worship, you can learn and you can stand strong. Somebody that you, you can trust. Somebody, a place that you can call your own. Because online church is not going to save you. I mean, you may get saved through a message online, but we're called to fellowship with one another. 
That means getting to know one another, having koinonia, exchange. It's important to know those that labor among you. It's important to build trust. This is, this is what is so void in the world that there's no trust. There's no trust in leadership. And it has filtered into the church to where church members and people involved, Christians, don't even know who to trust in their own church. People have come to me and asked me, why doesn't my pastor speak out on these things? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to hear from Jesus myself. I'm not going to stand in judgment over someone else. And a lot of people have come to me. And let me just say, if you've said this to me, um, forgive me because I'm not trying to criticize you or condemn you in any way. But people will come and you see you experience some hurt that they have from the last place that they were at. And they may call that pastor's name and they may say that experience to me. But my pastor, da, 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 da. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, do you realize that I'm a pastor? If I agree with you, I'm coming against another pastor. I recognize the hurt in you, and I want you to be free from that hurt. There's, there's been some woundedness in the body that has, of course, been caused by bad leadership. That, that's just, <laughs> that's, that's a given. There's always, there needs to be correction. But God is the one that corrects. He's the one that calls and he's the one that corrects. We're going to, before we leave, we're going to pray for those who may have been hurt and wounded by another church. Um, I want to get to one other scripture before we close today. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17. It's a very serious subject. I wouldn't approach this unless the Lord told me to. Because it's not anything that that you want to do in a wrong way. Hebrews 13, verse 17. I want to read this out of the Amplified Bible so that we really see some of, some of the other words that are in here in the Greek, that, that come from the Greek that kind of give more meaning. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you. For they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of you. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans. For this would be no, of no benefit to you. And I use this scripture a lot of times when we bring new people into the church. Because we are actually making a commitment. If you're a part of Lifeway Church, we take this serious. This is not some social club. This is not something that we just do on the side and we're trying to get members. And 
for number's sake. No. We realize that that you have a spiritual welfare, that you have a spiritual life, that we are responsible for building up, equipping, instructing in righteousness. We have our part, and we want to do our part very seriously. And so we make this commitment. We see this verse as a two-way commitment. You're making the commitment to submit. Submission is something that, that we've really lost in our world today. The opposite of submission is, you're not going to tell me what to do. Right? We're hearing a lot of that now. It's rebellion. You're not going to tell me what to do. Well, we first have to submit to God. And then the leadership that God gives in the body. And it's a process. It's a process. And because I answer to Jesus, we're very, very aware of the fact that we will give account to Jesus how we conducted ourselves where you're concerned. It's a very serious thing. And so the, the Lord told me, if you don't have confidence in the call and anointing of pastor, how can people here at Lifeway have confidence in doing the work of the ministry here at Lifeway? So my prayer for myself is to have more confidence and more boldness because of the times that we're living in. Demand more courage and more strength. More courage and more strength. The battle has gotten hotter, heavier. The price is greater. The end is near. When I say near, it's, that's relative. I mean, Jesus said, I'll be back. That was 2,000 years ago. And he hasn't come back yet. Could be next week, could be next year. Again, I'm a general practitioner. I can't focus all my time on eschatology right? So pastor, why haven't you written a book yet on eschatology? Because <laughs> I don't have time. Right? There's that pressure. We, we need to be Hebrew scholars and Greek scholars and eschatology, you know, theological seminary professors. No, we love you because we know that God loves us. And we're standing in that place, watching over your soul, praying for you. We're here for you. Not to see through you, but to see you through. To help you stand strong. And so the head of the church gave you a gift that was for the purpose of building you up and growing you up so that you can do what Jesus has called you to do. What, what are you going to do in response? There's, there's two options. Receive it or reject it. We live in a real critical world where everything's being analyzed and criticized. 
And so we don't need to get into that criticizing and analyzing and one, I said one more scripture but I have one more real quick James chapter 1 verse 17 New International Version every good gift James 1 17 every good gift and perfect gift is from above comes down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows so the good gift of the pastor is for you to receive how do you receive a gift with open hands and a grateful heart open hands and a grateful heart I want to pray for those who may have been hurt at another church if you've been a Christian for any amount of time then you've been hurt that's almost like saying if you've been married for longer than a week you've had an argument All right? do we put the toilet paper like that or does it come from the bottom or do we squeeze the toothpaste from the middle or from the end that can set off World War Three, right? But if you've been a Christian, you've been a part of the church, there's been times that people in the church have hurt you to the place where you, you're like, I don't ever want to go back there because I don't want to face that person. And then who else knows about what happened between us? And then there's hurt from a pastor. Maybe they said something that you didn't like or didn't understand and, you know, it caught you the wrong way and there's offense. And offense is the number one thing to keep people away from the body of Christ. If the, if the enemy can, can come in with offense and you take hold of it and begin to be hurt and hold on to that, and tell this person and tell that person and kind of pet that offense and poor, poor, pitiful me. And I'm not making light of hurt. And there's a time that we have to grow and we have to put that in the past. But we have to make a choice. Like we were talking about during communion. Pastor Sheila was reading the scripture about God doesn't see our past anymore in Zephaniah right Isaiah Isaiah 41 10 Isaiah 41 10 the passion translation Forty-one ten. so do not fear I'm with you do not be dismayed for I'm your God I will strengthen you. I will help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. But in Zephaniah, it was saying that he doesn't see the past. Where was that scripture? Zephaniah 317, the passion. Amplified. If, and the point is, if God doesn't remember your past
then why, why should we remember our past? Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction, and in his love he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. And so one of the, the things that keeps people away from the body of Christ is offense. And in dealing with offense, you immediately go to forgiveness. Offense doesn't have a place in us if we don't give it a place in us. So before we leave, I think this is the best thing that we can do today after recognizing that God gave the gift of pastors to the body is to forgive anyone that may have hurt you in the past. Pastor, maybe, maybe you had a pastor that fell. Maybe you were young and a pastor abused you. Uh, whatever happened in the past we put it in the past, right here, right now. Any church member that has hurt you in the past was designed by the enemy to keep you out of the body of Christ. So let's just close our eyes right there where you are. Take inventory and let's let the Holy Spirit deal with that. Father, thank you for showing us, revealing to us even something that we've been dealing with and we didn't understand where it's coming from and we understand that forgiveness is a decision based on faith and not feeling Lord, you said in your word if we would forgive them, you would forgive them. That we should forgive those that sin against us. That's what Jesus, how Jesus taught us to pray. Forgiving those that have offended us. For whatever reason, in any way, whatever way, we forgive them. right now in Jesus name I want you to say this with me say I choose to forgive and then just name that person right there just under your breath or out of your heart you know maybe the person that disappointed you or offended you father we release we release the body of Christ we choose to love and we choose to forgive and we choose to release that offense in Jesus name show us Lord the next time 
the next time that offense comes to us, how to deflect and resist. The name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Thank you for freedom. We see people free today from any and every place of offense or bitterness in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to heal, to mend, to restore, renew, to reconcile, and to build up your body so that we can do the work of the ministry, so that we can grow up and walk in a deeper level of love. Thank you for showing us this gift that you put, put in the body of Christ called pastor. And help each one of us, Lord, to flow in that divine design that you have so that we're growing and so that our focus is on doing what you want us to do in this community so that people will see Jesus and they'll respond to Jesus and they'll respond to your word.